Well, good morning and welcome. I'm really glad that each of you have decided to join us online today as we celebrate the birth of Jesus of Nazareth together. My name is Jeff, in case we haven't met before, and I am sad that we've not been able to gather in person today and to, and to celebrate together. More and more people, it seems, have been uh, close contacts with this virus and are needing to isolate. And if that's you, then our thoughts and our prayers are, are with you today, are with you this week. And uh, I know that it's far from what it was um, that we've been hoping for and, and planning for. It is in the midst of this uncertainty, it's in the midst of this disappointment, however, that the promise of Christmas, the, the, the gift of the birth of Jesus, it gives us something solid. It gives us something hopeful for us to fix our hearts upon, for us to fix our minds on. Because when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus from Nazareth, it was a birthday that, that comprehensively altered reality. It permanently changed what it means to be human. And my prayer and my hope is, is, that, is that this time, um, this morning, as you engage with, with this word, it becomes a meaningful and hopeful part of celebrating this season for you. Now, I, I do apologise for this format and I'm going to be fussing about a little bit with technology. Um, don't let that, that get in the way for you today. In the Bible, there are four gospel accounts. Gospel simply means good news. And so there are, there are four accounts of the good news about the birth and the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you're going to find those in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know that. Now, two of these Gospels, Matthew and Luke, they give us pretty careful descriptions um, about the birth, about the context of, of Jesus' birth. And th this is where we get all this imagery and, and all this detail about Mary and Joseph and stars and shepherds and mangers and wise men and all that kind of stuff. Matthew gives us a, a, around about 200 words on the subject. Luke gives us twice that amount. It's interesting that Mark, uh, the earliest gospel account, he doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus at all. He just goes straight to the baptism of Jesus. And then there's John's gospel account. John's account was the last to be written. It's the most recent, probably around somewhere between 90 and 100 CE. And John does something entirely different again. John tells the Christmas story, depending on the, the, the version that you're looking at, in about nine words. And these nine words, it seems, they are not interested in angels or shepherds or mangers. There's no, there's no stars. There's no virgin birth. There's no wise men. John is not interested in any of that stuff, it seems. The only thing that John is interested in is who this Jesus is, and specifically who he's always been, who he was long, long before the person of Jesus entered 
the saints. We're going to look at Christmas according to John. So here's the opening to John's gospel, if I can get that up for you. Now, if you've been following on with our teaching over the last six months or so, you'll remember that we looked at this right back in July. So it's John 1, 1 to 18. And this is from the New Living Translation. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, not the John that's writing this gospel, but John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart and he has revealed God to us. Did you catch Christmas? Did you see it? Right here. The word became human and made his home among us. That's Christmas right there. Uh, the message translation says this. It says the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. And the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Nine words. This statement is the climax of the previous 13 verses. It's one, I reckon, it's one of three of the most scandalous things that John ever wrote. The other two and I'm going to leave this with you to look up for yourself, but the other two are in 1 John, 
So 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, and then John 17 verse 21. You look those up. These three statements, John 1, 14, 1 John 4, 8, John 17, 21, these three statements fundamentally reshape our concepts of reality of life, the universe, and everything. And we're going to look at this one. The Christmas story, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you would notice there that the that the word um, is, is appearing in the text here with a capital W, indicating that this is God. So let's look at the start of this passage again, but we will look at, look at it in the ESV. So John 1, the first three verses. There it is. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, so quite outrageously here, John begins his gospel account with the same opening phrase as the creation account of Genesis. Look at this. So here's Genesis 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All of the Jews would have been totally familiar with these opening few words. Everyone would have known what John's doing here. The earth was without form and and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light in the beginning so John is very deliberately here he's equating um, both the nature of the story this kind of story and the importance of this story the gravity of this story that he is about to tell with the creation of the universe. That's how significant this is. This is that kind of story. When God created the heavens and the earth, when the Spirit hovered over the waters, the Word was there. The Word was with God. The Word was in relationship with God. And the Word was God. The Word is divine. Through Him, all things were created. The Word is the Creator God. Now the word here, uh, the Greek word for word is logos. And logos literally means word. Like are you with me? Like this is really complex theological stuff. What I'm trying to say is that the word for word means word. Uh, it is deeper than that though. Logos means idea. It means thought. It means topic, motive. Logos is pure meaning. It is pure intent. And the way that the Greeks understood Logos in their own mythology is that Logos refers to the, the universal governing blueprint. Logos is the eternal law that is governing time and space and matter. Um, Logos is ultimate meaning. John's point here is that God, God's word, 
God's intent, they are one and the same thing. Ultimate meaning, universal reality, that is God. And that is the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. Um, the word for flesh here is the Greek word sarx, and it means meat. So the word became meat, uh, became flesh, became human, became embodied. The eternal creator God, ultimate meaning, universal reality, became flesh and blood like you and me. You might have heard the word um, incarnation before. Now, carne is the Latin word for meat and for, for flesh. And so often we will hear this word incarnation at Christmas and it means exactly the same thing. It is the word became flesh. Became. So in other words, that means that, that the word didn't just look like flesh, didn't just look human, but became flesh and blood, became fully and properly human. And of course, this implies that, that it, uh, prior to this becoming, that the word was not flesh. It was in this becoming that in some way, the eternal word joined the category of made things. Things that were made and things that were not made were joined together when the word became flesh. This eternal reality, um, this, this infinite being located himself and became a finite finite being. The inconceivable became conceivable. And we read in the next few verses that this word become flesh is, of course, Jesus. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. Word become flesh, born in the most humble, the most unlikely of circumstances. And you know that the day that Christ was born was the day that the revolution began. The revolution did not begin on the cross. It did not begin the day that Jesus unrolled the scroll and, and of, of Isaiah and read from it and commenced his ministry. It was this day. It was the day the, the eternal word became temporal flesh. And in doing that, he forever changed what it means to be human. This did not happen on the day that Muhammad was born. It did not happen on the day that Siddhartha Gautama or the Buddha was born. But on the day that Jesus of Nazareth was born, heaven and earth were fused together, were perfectly joined. In the person of Jesus, the gap, the, the distance between creator and creation was forever overcome. In the person of Jesus... The divide between God and human is utterly eliminated. The moment that God became human, the future, the destiny of humanity was eternally and beautifully altered. The word became flesh 
so that flesh might join in the life of the divine, so that humanity humanity might, might be fused together into the eternal life and light and life of God, that we might participate in the divine life, Peter writes. The fate of humanity was sealed the moment God became human. And this is what we're celebrating today. Jesus did not become human so that he could then shed his humanity and go back to some previous disembodied state and leaving the flesh behind. Jesus is and will forever be human. There is a resurrected human being in heaven at the right hand of God, eternally dignified, eternally glorified. And the good news is, get this, the greater reality is that you have joined him there. Paul writes this in Ephesians 2. He says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Heaven and earth, creator and creature, God and human, united as one with Christ. This was the promise that was sealed at his birth when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You might, you might remember this from a few weeks ago. We looked at the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7 and we looked at the, this word dwelt. Uh, the Greek word is skenu and it is equivalent to the Jewish word for tabernacle and it, it, it is to, to pitch a tent, to, to, to live in a, uh, a temporary dwelling. And it's a word that's peculiar to John. He knew, uses it a number of times and it's a word that will look Back, it will look back to the tabernacle, um, to the tent of meeting in the wilderness where the presence of God would dwell in proximity to his people. So it looks back. It also looks forward. It looks forward to, to the promises that we read in, in Revelation where God's dwelling place will again be, will permanently be with his people. Um, John records, records this in Revelation 21, verse 3. He says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is God's dream. The dream of God. This is his big idea. This is the destiny of all of creation that we would dwell together. The very next verse, um, verse 4, says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall, shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is what it means to dwell with God. Christmas was the day that heaven and earth merged and they merged within a person. We are not celebrating the birth of a kid 
who grew up to do something awesome in 30 years' time. We are celebrating the day that God made it good to be human again. Christmas fundamentally changed what it means to be human. Christmas proved to the universe that humanity is the number one thing on the mind of God. Christmas paved the way for the inevitability of your reconciliation with God. Christmas is the day that it became possible once more for God and human to dwell together in freedom and in unity and in wholeness. This is the gift from God at Christmas. It is life. It is life with meaning. It is life with hope, with unfailing love and faithfulness. Life now in the family of God. Because as John said right at the start, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so, happy Christmas. Let me pray. Father God, King of Heaven, we desperately underestimate what took place on that very first Christmas where the reality and the destiny of heaven and earth were bound up in a child, in a human child, born in the most humble and unlikely of circumstances and declared for all of creation that the day is coming where God's home will be with his people. Would you embed that in our hearts? Would you spark our imagination and our curiosity to, to that end? Heaven and earth joined in the person of Jesus who now dwells in our hearts. Give us a glimpse of that reality as we go about all of our planned things and the unplanned things this Christmas. All glory to you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.